0: Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings.
1: Today we're going to continue on with the 2019 waterfowl survey. Um, I've got Dr. Tom Mormon, the chief scientist, sitting here with me. We're going to dig into the diving ducks. Um... We'll kick it off with redheads. Took kind of a little punch in the gut there at 27% down and 0% change over the long-term average, which shows some steadiness, but um, less than, well, a little over 700,000 birds counted this year.
2: Yeah, so hunters, you know, over the long-term, the population remains pretty healthy. This year it did, in fact, decline, as you noted, significantly at about 27% for total breeding population of redheads. Typically what we see in redheads is they're really sight- Uh, a lot of site fidelity so they'll go back to the same wetland year in year out for nesting Uh, same thing happens in camasbacks and the core of uh, redhead nesting tends to be manitoba saskatchewan a little bit over into uh, alberta that part of southern canada southern prairies is really dry this year yeah and so it's not to be unexpected that those birds probably forego nesting Uh, some of them might you know, stop out in the Dakotas where it's wet. And we do, in fact, see a pretty significant response, Uh, you know, 40 percent increase in redheads in the Dakotas, for example. Uh, So there will be some production out of the Dakotas. Uh, Redheads use more permanent wetlands and deeper wetlands. And so some of those in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta will continue to hold a bit of water. Yep. Could be some nesting in there. If the water is still up into the cattails, they'll do okay. If it is pulled down out of the cattail and there's a mud flat, it's probably not gonna end well for that breed.
1: Yeah, and, and just to reiterate, I mean hunters seeing down twenty seven percent from twenty eighteen, that's not the end of the world. You know, no. that's not something that people should expect.
2: No, it's really not. And to be honest, I'm not sure as a as a really avid waterfowl hunter that I could tell you if I were say down on Laguna Madre where redheads winter in abundance that I would notice a difference. Yeah. Um, It all ultimately hinges on as we we talk about these numbers and these breeding populations, ultimately at the end of the day, your success as a hunter hinges pretty heavily on weather and whether the birds are being pushed to migrate and all those kinds of things, local habitat conditions, regional habitat conditions. Lots of things factor into this. Yes, it matters if the population is high or low, but ultimately you can have a really fantastic hunt, even at the worst of times in a breeding population.
1: Yeah, That's a good point, a good point to make. Um, let's move on to canvasbacks. I mean, they're down 5% this year, probably indicative of the habitat in the prairies. Uh, still up 10% from the long-term average, uh, coming in at a, a little over 600,000 600, birds counted. Um you know, you mentioned some very unique distribution of canvas backs when we were off-air. off, off air. Uh, Kind of describe that and why, you know, you're seeing that down 5%.
2: So the population of cans is still more or less at its long-term average, and the population's pretty healthy. This year it's down a bit, and again, this is a bird that's really uh, has a lot of sight fidelity. This is probably the king of sight fidelity king can. For, for birds. They go back, literally hens go back to the same wetland to nest year in, year out. And if that wetland is dry, they will forego nesting many years. So the core of their range tends to be, again, that uh, southern Manitoba, southern Saskatchewan, again, the deeper wetlands. That is the area of the prairies that got dry this year and was dry, pretty dry last year. And so when you look at these survey numbers, it leaves you scratching your head a little bit, but we see pretty negative response of, of number of breeding birds in southern Saskatchewan, southern Manitoba, for sure. Uh, the one that I'm um, wrestling with a bit is an increase in birds in Alberta. My suspicion there is there's a, a piece of geography in very extreme southern Alberta, just north of Montana, called the Milk, uh, Milk River Ridge. My guess is, and I know it happens to be wet, and just as is Western Montana and Eastern Dakotas, both the Dakotas and that part of Montana and probably Southern Alberta probably picked up birds. My suspicion is, though, that they may not nest; yeah. they're just kind of hanging out for the summer and waiting for a better year next year. Yeah, is kind of the canned strategy.
1: Uh, Scott. You know, graders and lessers are counted together, correct?
2: They are. That's because they can't be distinguished from an aircraft, uh, and and that's fine. What you know, what do we mostly know about greater sculp is most of their arctic nesters, but some of them are down in the boreal forest. Lesser sculp, on the other hand, are mostly in the boreal forest, with some proportion of the population down in the prairies. So, what do we expect for sculp this year? Well, the boreal wetlands tend to be more stable and more predictable. They're a little drier this year in places. Uh, I don't think it's probably dry enough to impact scalp production in the boreal forest zone. However, in the prairies, it will be plenty dry to impact that segment of the scalp population that breeds there.
1: And is that where that, you know, down 10% yeah, is really mostly from? Mostly
2: it will come out of, uh, as we look at the survey information, again, it's at southern Saskatchewan, southern Manitoba region, uh, an area of of parts of those provinces that have high densities of wetlands, some of them are deeper potholes, bigger potholes, cattail line potholes especially. Um, Those are places where, that are drier this year. And so, you know, and we don't see in this case, you know, a lot of times when the Dakotas go wet, we talk about some birds dropping out and staying in the Dakotas, well, scalp aren't very good at that. They don't really do that. They mostly will go on up into the boreal, and the boreal pop- part of the population is probably going to be okay. It's that prairie part of the population that causes us to see a 10% downswing. And, you know, statistic- statisticians will look at that and say, okay, well, 10%, it's not statistically significant. Yeah. So nobody should hit the panic button. Uh, the yeah. longer-term issue about sculp is their population as a whole remains 28% below the long-term average. That is significant. And we still, as a waterfowl management community, haven't quite figured out what's going on with those birds. There's lots of competing hypotheses. I think we're getting closer to having some answers, but the uh, the science is just not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, and that, and that could be a totally separate show one day. We could just kind of drill into SCOP and foraging habitats. and. Uh, that's that's also a fascinating topic. Well, hey, we just wrapped up the, the total 2019 waterfowl survey and those those short few shows. Uh, if you this is the first one, you can go back listen to hear about mallards, gadwalls, northern pintails. We you know we kind of went down the whole list. Um, and if any questions whatsoever, any thoughts, and need any more information, check out ducks.org/ducknumbers or just visit ducks.org and we'll point you in the right direction. Tom, thanks for joining me today.
0: You bet, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org dupodcast for resources based on today's topics as well as access to more episodes. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team.